Welcome to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm Matt McGarry. And I'm Ryan Carr. And in this podcast, we teach you exactly how to build, grow, and monetize your newsletter. We'll talk to the best newsletter operators, creators, and media founders in the space, breaking down their strategies and growth tactics. Awesome. Let's get into it. Okay, what's up? Welcome to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Carr, and our guest, Brett Perlmutter. Brett, how's it going, man? Good. Good to see you both. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Wow, it's like the uh, the football player. That's great. Good to see you both. (laughs) Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it, man. Thanks for coming on. So tell us, for those who don't know, tell us like who you are, what you do. You have a newsletter or media company. Tell us about that and give us kind of the, the brief overview. Yeah, absolutely. So Bullet Pitch is a, um, we like to refer to it now as, as a venture media company. And really, we we started in the media space, which is essentially, right, the, the core product for us was a newsletter. And I'll kind of give the, the background on this because I think it'll be relevant to the audience and just kind of the progression of, of how we started this. But essentially, it's about almost, it's crazy, it's been almost two years. We we started this with this thesis, right? And the thesis was that the way that the tech crunches of the world and the Forbes and the Fortune, right, all these big kind of media conglomerates that were focused on startups, the way that they covered startups didn't actually make a ton of sense to me, right? If you think about TechCrunch, right? And, and don't get me wrong, great publication. They typically cover startups that have already raised their rounds, right? So, you know, you see it all the time. This founder just raised X amount of money from Andreessen Horowitz and Sequoia, right? Or, you know, Adam Newman just raised 350 million from Andreessen. It's like, that's a news story, right? But what's funny about the whole venture space is the things that a lot of investors actually care about is not the companies that have already raised money. That's great to know, but the companies that are actually in the process of building, right? Maybe they're in stealth. Maybe they've just raised their friends and family around, but they're early, right? And so the initial kind of impetus for Bullet Pitch is, well, who's covering those companies? Shark Tank? Like Shark Tank's for consumers. Why don't we cover those companies and we'll do it for investors, right? And you know whether you're an analyst, an associate, a partner at a VC, investors want deal flow. And so the thought was, well, one, if we can provide investors really great companies, but then two, actually due diligence on the companies, we might really have something here. And so that was kind of the initial, like, let's go, let's roll with this and let's see what happens. I think that thesis has resonated because you're growing really fast. So tell us, give us some sense. I think you're one of the few newsletter operators who don't share their subscriber numbers, but tell us what you can share about what type of size the, like, the operation is, the audience is. I'll let you kind of go from there. Yep. So it's fun because in the beginning, right? Like I'm thinking like early on, right? And, and it's we were. It's not that we didn't want to share the subscriber number. It was more just of the fact that like we saw all these people basing kind of the value of their newsletter on the subscriber number. And for us, it was really important to base the value of the newsletter on who is subscribed, right? And so it's cool. We're, we're likely any day now going to hit a hundred thousand, which is like amazing. But at the end of the day, to me that's pretty irrelevant compared to who subscribed, right? And that really has been where things have, have, have made an impact, right? And so we started early growing, right? And I'm talking really early in a couple ways. The nice part about sending out a startup to a bunch of investors is they want to send deal flow to all of the people at their firm, right? So we would send out a company and 
The next thing you know, I'd see like 10 of these .vc emails from the same firm subscribe because they all just saw that, that great kind of memo and they go, wow, I should be in for the next one. And, and one of the coolest parts, and I say this often, is like when we do this, investors might not like the company any week and we can get, we can get into that, but they'll always come back the following week because there's this sense now of like FOMO where it's like, if you're not subscribed, you might be missing that one company that's perfect for your firm. And so that's kind of where we started with our target audience. And that was really effective in terms of growth. And then kind of as we started to expand, right, one of the critical pieces from the beginning that we did was focusing a lot on how do we just, how do we not just target investors, but founders, operators, business school students, early adopters, right? And the way that we were able to do that really effectively is actually through the format of the newsletter, right? So the newsletter is written in bullet points and it's very intentional. The intentionality behind it is to make it accessible. So if you're an investor, you're reading the letter and you're having this great experience, maybe you're requesting an intro to the founder, you're reading the market diligence, clicking on the founder's LinkedIn. And if you're an early adopter, you go top to bottom in a minute, you go download the app that we featured. Or if you're a founder, you go, wait a second, how do I get my company featured on there? So there was a lot of organic kind of growth early on that was really effective for us, but not just kind of growth, but really like people plugging in and saying, wait a second, this is a huge value add to me. How do you measure getting the right people on the newsletter? And how do you measure their engagement? Are you looking at open rate, click through rate? Are you doing surveys? What, what does it look like for you guys? I want to break down that question a little further. So how do we measure people getting on the newsletter, meaning the companies that we feature? So meaning the, the audience. So not the companies we feature. So attracting the right audience, the, the people that you want on. So not just about subscribers, but subscriber quality. Yeah. So at? I think... It's funny, I was on a, on a podcast yesterday and I was talking to the guys at Sidecar and one of the really interesting pieces that came up was how do you go from audience to something more, right? And for us, what became very clear to me was, you know, you can get people subscribed and they can love what you're doing. But at the end of the day, to me, there needs to be a stepping stone that goes from audience to community, right? And I think where that really started to happen was in a couple ways. And I'm going to shout out Beehive here because they rolled out this feature maybe six or eight months into the newsletter, which was a polling feature. And it is probably one of my favorite features to this day that we use, whereas what do you think about this company? Would you invest? And instantly I get it. I get all these investors who, if you know anything, I mean, investors are very opinionated. And so, you know, I would feature, call it an AI law company. And not only would I get all these investors who were like, this is never going to work or this is brilliant, but I would get these lawyers who were subscribed. They would come out of the woodwork and be like, I've been working in law for the last, you know, VC law for the last 10 years. And this is, this is going to change the world. And so that was one of, that is a, one of a few things that is really helpful in terms of audience engagement. Another one, and I know you said open rate, click through rate and like, those are all great metrics in theory, right? Especially when you have advertisers, et cetera. But I would say my two most measurable ones are one, how the polls are doing. So one, who's voting, but two, what the commentary looks like. And then two is investor intros, right? So we have this nice little box in the newsletter that says, if you're interested in reaching out to this founder or meeting this founder, just request an intro, email us back here. And I featured a company, I think three or four weeks ago, and they had 43 intro requests, which was absolutely bonkers, right? And so talk about engagement from like just a pure play newsletter perspective is like, wow, like 
I got all these people responding to this, this email, right? And that's, that's excluding all the people who are just like, this is a great company. Wow. They can't believe they're doing X amount in ARR. So those are kind of metrics and maybe not the traditional answer that you guys typically hear on the podcast, but those are the things that I'm paying attention to. And then I guess the last one is what happens after, right? So we have this really cool piece in the newsletter where after we feature the company and the company gets, you know, blasted in front of all these investors and, 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 you know, just general kind of early adopters too, right? The early adopters are easy. They go down to the app. We've, or, or, or they use the platform and we've had some great stories of like, yeah, we got about a thousand users from bullet pitch that day, right? That Tuesday. But on the same token, I think another really cool piece is what actually happens from an investment standpoint, right? And one of the things that has probably been the most amazing piece of this is watching investors actually put money into these companies after we're the ones that bring it to them. And and the first time that happened, it's crazy. It's probably been over a year now since this has been going on. But the first time that happened, I like, I couldn't believe it. I like looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm really bridging founders and investors. This is really cool. That is cool. I can ask a ton of questions about that one thing, but I want to come back to that. So we like to guide these conversations into like kind of three buckets. One is like growth. How do you grow your audience? Then monetization, how do you monetize it? And then also, how do you create content? So let's talk about growth for a second. Tell us when you were first getting started. So the newsletter and the company is only like two years old, roughly. Is that about right? Yep. When you were first getting started, how did you get initial traction, the first 1,000 subscribers, roughly? So I mentioned it earlier. So this is fun, right? In the beginning, and venture is a very interesting game, right? Where it's it's hard to break in. And one of the things that I didn't have the luxury of was being on the inside. And one of the reasons I started Bullet Pitch was the hope that maybe I could. And what was really cool was like, I would literally like in the beginning, I had a laundry list of companies that I thought were interesting. <laughs> and it's like, I can't believe I did this now. But at the time, it was like the only way to do it is I would literally go find the company's website that I thought was really interesting. And I would write the entire newsletter based on the website. Right. Which is like, I'm laughing because if you, if I did that now, like I don't, I now I'm using, you know, companies, data rooms and pitch decks and one pagers and market research. Right. But at the time, like I was literally doing it based on the company's website. And as you can imagine with the startup, there's not a whole lot on the website, but what was really interesting and, and candidly, some of this I attribute to luck, right? When we talk about first thousand subscribers is the first, let's call it three companies we featured not only ended up raising simultaneous rounds, a couple you know, let's call it a couple months later, the first company we ever featured, I sent it to the founder and the founder was blown away. And the founder happened to have quite a large network across different social platforms and was like, can I blast this out? And the answer was absolutely. The second founder we featured, they had just started. Funny enough, TechCrunch actually picked up their raise a month later, but they were like, can we put this on our website so that we can, people can actually understand they were a web three based company. Like, so people can actually understand what we do, right? And it started driving a ton of traffic that way. And so the thesis was, if I can plug into these different founders audiences every week, right? And again, like this is like less relevant now, but in the beginning, it was like, if I can plug into that person's audience, that founder's audience, who are there? Who, who's a founder's audience? Well, founders are friends with other founders. Any founder will tell you that. VCs, they're investors and all their early adopters. And so the thesis was, if I could just do this every week, that's an incredible way to grow. And that's how we got to the first 1,000. Yeah, it's interesting. You've basically found an angle that really incentivizes 
your audience to share on kind of both sides of the equation, right? Like you mentioned earlier, you know, members of the same VC firm are going to want to share opportunities, deal flow, but the founders too, that's, that's pretty awesome uh, because yeah, and they're definitely going to want to share on their LinkedIn, on their Twitters, the profiles that you're doing. I mentioned, you know, in a conversation before we started recording here that we've seen you on Twitter a lot, we've seen bullet pitch on Twitter a lot, the ads that you're running. It seems like based on just the volume of ads you guys have running that it, it might be a successful channel for you. Would love to hear, you know, a strategy there, if that's working for you, what's working well. Yep. So a couple things. Early on in the process, right? When we started thinking about, okay, how are we going to get from 10,000 to 30,000 or 10, you know, maybe it was 20,000, right? Like, how are we going to start hitting the numbers in tens of thousands? And everyone who I've talked to in the space has said something very similar, right? And, and there's exceptions to the rule, of course, where it's like, once you hit your first 10 or 15,000 subscribers, obviously you're going to keep growing organically. But if you want to really grow like hype, like hyper growth, you need to start paying attention to the platforms that your audience is on, top of funnel platforms. So this is actually something that probably people don't know. For the first seven months of this newsletter, I actually didn't even have a Twitter, <laughs> which is like so absurd that like we built this backwards, right? Because you hear any of these great newsletter businesses, they all start with this top of funnel, right? And I can think of so many examples, right? They all have these huge social followings on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and they're so easily able to grow their audience. Meanwhile, I come in not knowing anything and I'm like, I'm going to start a newsletter and I work this out completely backwards. And so really lucky to get it to a point where I was like, huh, maybe these people might want to follow us on Twitter. That's part one. Part two is there are a few spaces that Twitter's really powerful in. And, you know, you can see it right like now with the whole AI boom, right? Like Twitter AI is like, that is like the hottest keyword. Like it's amazing how many people are tweeting about AI. But one of the consistent pieces of Twitter year after year has been startups and venture, right? That is where, I mean, Paul Grant, all these huge names in, in the ecosystem consistently go to share their thoughts. This is where founders go. And so one of the really lucky, but also kind of insightful pieces we had was that's where our audience is. And so not only should we go and build up a platform, right? Like I should get a Twitter, Bullet Pitch should have a Twitter, but we should double down and maybe start running a few social ads. And so to your point, yes, it's been, it's been fantastic. And, and even still, we're, we're still hitting new people in our audience that it's like, wow, like this person's a great investor. Like can't believe they, we hadn't connected with them yet. And, and Twitter's a platform that has allowed us to do that. Tell us what makes a good Twitter ad. Cause it's a little bit more nuanced than maybe a Facebook ad or a banner ad. So it's funny because in the beginning, when we were playing around with Twitter ads, right, we were A-B testing a lot of different things. And I think there were a couple things that stood out, right? And it's funny because I I have this, like, any anytime someone asks me that question, I have this, like, vivid memory of watching the Firefest documentary. And specifically when it was, like, they had on social media, they had that orange tile, right? And they would show this like with this image of like people would be scrolling through their Instagram or their TikToks and they'd see that orange tile and they'd stop. Right. So the first thing was we've got this like awesome yellow. Let's use it. That was part one. It's let's get people's eyes to stop. Part two is we need to get people to understand what bullet pitch does and what the value add is in a second. 
And so that was a really interesting piece because it's an ongoing thing for me where every day I'm thinking through like, okay, what is a social ad that is going to make people understand what they're going to get out of this newsletter? And so I think, Matt, I think the one that you and I have talked about a lot is these are the investors that are subscribed to Bullet Pitch and you can too. And that ad continues to be, I think, one of our, one of our best ones. And it's very simple what the value add is. It's you want to learn about startups, whether you're an investor, you're a founder, you like whatever the case is. These are all the top firms that are reading it. But just because they're reading it doesn't mean you can't. You actually can too, because we're here making venture accessible, right? We're not hiding deal flow. We're showing all these great companies. And so that was a huge one because it was like, I'd see all these .vc subscribe through that ad. I'd see all these founders being like, wow, like all these top firms are reading this. What is this? I should probably read this too. I don't have an answer for you in terms of what is the secret to running a great ad. And I think that if anyone had that, they would be a genius and probably have 10 million subscribers. But what I can say is that it was very audience specific for us. And because of those, some of those early ads worked really effectively, but I'm still always trying to workshop new creative ads. But the important piece is, is that to also add a ton of value or at least show the value of the ad of what the value of the newsletter is. Yeah, that's a good insight. One more question on growth, and we can talk about growth all day too, but I want to get into other topics. What, like, if you were to break down the audience into a pie chart, where does the growth come from? So, like, how much is Twitter ads, other channels, organic, whatever? I don't even know the growth channels, but what would that look like for you? So it's a good question, and the reason it's a good question is because I have to, I have to think on that, and I have to think on that because what we did five months ago isn't what we're doing now. And, and I'll explain. So five months ago, I would probably say about 70% of our growth came from Twitter, right? That has drastically changed. The reason why that has drastically changed is because at a certain point, the ads have changed, right? Where, and we can get into this as like, what's next for bullet pitch and what we're doing is it's been a little less like big targeted ads versus like super concisely targeted ads at very specific subsets, specifically LPs to try to get them to subscribe. So it's a good question because the answer is not, it's it's what we were going for at the time. So when we were just going for hyperbolic growth, like, yeah, I think it was Twitter was huge. We had that awesome organic sharing from like every week, right? We would like UTM it where it was like that company that week. And if you, if you wanted to read the newsletter, you had to subscribe. And so like we would blast it out on Twitter and LinkedIn and very naturally we'd have all this organic growth. And then of course the classic like dot VCs who were sharing it with one another, never cracked the referral program, totally open about that. Like I am so impressed by all the people that have, it's a really hard thing to do. Never really figured that out. And then I think word of mouth too, right? Like I was sitting at a breakfast the other day and, and not that that was the, that's the most huge channel, but I think all newsletter operators understand that when people are talking about your newsletter, it's the highest quality subscribers, right? And so I was at this breakfast the other day and, you know, everyone was kind of talking about what they're doing. And someone asked me like, Oh, like, what are you up to? And I was like, Oh, I, I run a media company. And they're like, Oh, what is to call? And then I said, bullet pitch. And they go, Oh, my friend, my buddy just told me to subscribe to that three weeks ago. Like, I love it. Like, it's, it's amazing. And it's like, wow, like that's a super fan right there, right? Because he's going to go tell another person that and another person that. And so, you know, the other reason that that's an interesting question, because I think growth doesn't always translate to quality. So I think it's really important to have all of those different things operating at the same time. And right. What's really cool is for all I know, that friend of his might have come from Twitter, but now it's organic, right? So 
that's kind of how I think about growth. That's awesome. I think you'd be surprised. I think you mentioned you are surprised at all these people who can create high performing referral programs. I'd argue that you probably have a better referral program than 99% of operators out there with just, as I mentioned, like the incentivize sharing that you, that you have going on across these 100%, different audiences. hundred yeah. percent. I just meant by like the referral programs that like, it's like, you know, five referrals, you get this 10 referrals, you get that. And totally. Like, totally. Yeah. You know, I was an early like morning brew lover where I like read the morning brew at it, you know, from almost when they started and like, I like, I'd be lying. Like I totally wanted those sweatpants. Like, you know, you know, maybe, maybe that's the solution. Bullet pitch sweatpants. We'll, we'll do some merch. Not yet though. Well, it sounds like you have really valuable real estate in this newsletter based on the fact that, you know, you mentioned these, you have investors meeting founders, you're, you're able to provide intros. How do you go about sourcing startups for businesses for, for the newsletter? Great question. So you know how it started <laughs> where I had the laundry list and I was literally finding any company I could. I was scraping it off of LinkedIn. I was scraping it off of Twitter and, and just going through these really interesting companies. Let's call it seven or eight months into the newsletter. Things started to change rapidly. And this is probably to date one of the coolest parts of this whole operation. What started to happen was we started to almost enter into brand recognition phase. And when that started to happen, I started to get founders that came to me and they were like, Hey, how do I get featured in this thing? Right? Because, you know, if a founder's going around, right, especially when they're raising money, they're going around to dozens of VCs and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'd love to pitch you. Right. The value add for us is, well, if I can get featured in that, I don't even like, I mean, I am, of course, I'm going to go pitch more VCs, but like, these guys are doing that by the thousands for me. Why wouldn't you want to be featured? And so that quickly became a thing. And, and to date now, right? Like I've talked to so many investors and they're all like, where are you finding these companies? And it's like, honestly, like, and don't get me wrong. I'm still in the weeds. I've still got my ear to the ground, probably more than ever before trying to go to anything and everything where I think that we're going to find great founders. But on the same token, most of the companies that you've seen featured over the last 52 weeks have all been inbound. They all come to us. And it's actually at a point now where like, it's overwhelming to me. We're like, we've got this monster and, and given it's great because we have this all systematized, but like, we've got this monster pipeline now of companies and we've got this huge backlog. I don't even know what to do with. I mean, it's great because think about it, right? Like we only feature four companies a, a, a month, right? Like it's one a week. And so it's crazy that like I get more companies that we could feature in an entire year reach out to me way more than in, 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 a, in like one month. So that has been really special. And I think in terms of like, especially talking to investors and founders and really people who exist in this, in this ecosystem, that is the biggest value of, of it all is, you know, a lot of people see the newsletter as the newsletter, right? Especially consumers. But to me, it is the ultimate deal flow engine. It is an engine. And all I have to do is click that send button and we're going to get inbound. It's cool when you have that flywheel going. That's awesome. And tell me about your business model. So how does Bullet Pitch make money right now? And we can maybe talk about like the future future plans for that too, because I think there's so many opportunities of this business that are really interesting. But tell us what's going on right now. A couple things. And it's funny because the future is now and it's it's exciting because like this is now the first time I'm really able to talk about this because I've been building this now for like six, seven months and like it's just now at the point it's in beta, but it has been launched to a small subsection of people, which has been awesome. When I started this, there was no 
how is this going to make money? It was just, <laughs> let me write on cool startups and see what happens. We had a company come to us, maybe it was pretty early on, actually, maybe it was like three months in. It was like, you know, can I run an ad? And it was like, well, yeah, sure. It was like, do you have a media kit? It was like, give me, give me an hour. <laughs> right. And so we, we monetize similarly to a lot of businesses or at least media businesses or newsletter businesses, or at least that's how we started. Now the ad structure that we do is pretty cool. So we still run the traditional, like, you know, slots in the newsletter, but we've taken a little bit more of a strategic approach to how we work with our partners, right? So we have these founders that we feature every week that are in the midst, right, of raising the rounds. And for them, there's some really helpful tools out there. And these tools happen to be a lot of people who want to get in front of them. So we partner with banks and hiring platforms and fractional CFO services. And not only do they advertise in the newsletter for everyone, but we also do these warm intros and kind of have these special deals where they give the founders a discounted deal or whatever to use their tools or use their platforms, right? So that has been a really interesting way of monetizing. And I think a little differently probably than how most newsletters operate, but it's been lucrative for both sides, right? Because the return on investment for these companies that are doing it, it's great. And for us, you know, because we're adding such great value, like the top slot in the newsletter almost becomes secondary, which is very interesting. And then the other piece is we've started to do a lot of events. And similarly with those kind of packages that we've put together for some of these bigger companies, we'll be like, we'll give you 25% off our next event, plus this, 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 and we just package it all together. That's how we've been monetizing where we're going. And this is really exciting. So uh, we've been building out and, and it's funny because if you talk to like any investor who, who loved us early on, they're like, when's, when are we going to be able to invest in the, when's the premium version coming to this? Right. And that's, that's where we're going. And so we're baiting this now because it's not just a classic, like paid newsletter, like you get an extra day, we're going to start doing SPVs. And this is, this is the kind of thing where this has been in the, in the works of my head for, for months. And it's been interesting figuring out, right? How all of the operation is going to work. But the way it's going to go is that there's going to be a, a second kind of thing called Bullet Pitch Plus. And Bullet Pitch Plus is essentially for accredited investors to subscribe and they get deal memos. They get long deal memos of these companies. And not only do they get access to the companies, but they actually get access to investing in them too. And so. This is the this is the jump, right? Where I went from media operator building an audience, community builder, and now this is kind of the last thing where I've now become investor. And so that's where this is all going. And you know, this has been slow process making sure I'm doing this correctly. But because the media company has built out my brand and our, and my trust with a lot of investors and founders, it's now allowing me to do this next thing. Tell us about this this last thing. So explain for people who don't know what an SPV is and then how this Bullet Pitch Plus works. Just in a little bit more detail. There's the classic way of investing, which is investors go, all right, you know, you raise a fund and you're deploying capital based on the amount you raised, right? And the idea is to deploy capital to X amount of companies. You have all the people who obviously, you know, you raise the capital from, but at the end of the day, you're making decisions. The way SPVs work is a little different. So it's a deal by deal basis, right? So, and it's funny because if you think about how the media company operates, right? It's a new deal every week. Similar concept where I'm now just taking the best deals and saying, wait a second, this is such a good deal. 
let's save this for an audience who doesn't just want a quick overview, but this audience wants to dig in. The way an SPV works is these deals that we do, if an investor is interested in it, they can actually pool their capital together and then we deploy that capital into the company. And so it allows me to now become the GP of the deal. And I'm going to refrain from giving more details there just until we fully, and there'll be a huge like thing that we're doing. There should even be a little bit of press around it, but I'm going to refrain from saying anything more just because we're still like making sure this is a hundred percent good in beta before we kind of open this up to everybody. But the interesting thing, everybody obviously you have to be an accredited investor, but the, the piece on the media side, which is cool is that because I have the media company, you can't actually advertise SPV. You can't advertise deals. There's a whole kind of piece there. But what you can do is you can put it, you can share it with an audience that you own, right? And like the whole newsletter game, right? Everyone always talks about it's amazing to own your audience. In this situation, it's phenomenal because I now have the, like, I can't, I can never and never will run a single Twitter ad on a deal we're doing or even on what Bullet Pitch Plus is. The idea is the media company operates as its own entity that does top of funnel, great you know, diligence on companies, et cetera. But then ultimately anyone who's subscribed to that newsletter, and I have a it's a safe bet to say there's a lot of them that ultimately want to take it to the next step, can now subscribe to this. One of the things that I've done since the beginning of this is making sure that venture still feels accessible, right? And so a lot of the people who are hopefully and, and going to be subscribing to Bullet Pitch Plus are people who are accredited investors, but they've never actually dabbled in anything beyond, um, you know, they pick stocks, right? But they they want to get into the venture investing game. They want to start investing. And it's, and it's riskier, right? Like, I mean, the disclaimer is don't do it unless you're comfortable losing because most startups go to zero. But a lot of these kinds of people are really excited about this stuff. And so we think that we're just now, it's funny because I like, I was looking at the economics of this a couple of days ago and I was like, oh my God, we should have just done this from the beginning, but we couldn't have. Because first of all, they're complete, they're two completely separate entities. But secondly, we couldn't have done it since the beginning because it took me a while to build up my track record, right? With all of these investors and all of these founders and founders wanting to come to me. And so now it's really cool because now that I've put myself in that position, you know, in the New York venture scene and in the more general venture scene, it, it lends itself very well. And how long has the journey, I know we, we, I think we touched on it at the beginning, how long ago it was, but how long has the journey been from starting the newsletter to launching this new, very natural evolution, but such a, such a huge jump from a media company or, or a newsletter to a venture fund? You know, it's felt like a lifetime, but it's, it's only, it's only been the first issue we ever launched was January of 22. So all said and done, this has been operating for under two years. It's wild. <laughs> but at the same uh, at the same time, right? Like I've been writing on a company every week for the last two years. I mean, like I've gotten automatic at this. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I even test my limits a little bit. I'm like, I could write this in one, in one sitting, which I can't. And that's another thing. Like people always ask, they're like, wow, like it's so, it's so short. Like clearly it doesn't take you that long to write. No, it is. There is nothing harder than writing something like, so it, it, the, the people are always like, Oh, we love the flow of it. If you actually dig into the systematized like flow of the newsletter, you'll never see a bullet, pit that, a bullet point that's over a sentence. 
every thought that's a different thought goes on a different line. So it's very intricately laid out and it makes for a great product, but the actual laying it out is like, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes being concise is harder than being longer winded and like, or having a longer, you know, like content length, like character count. A hundred percent. And unfortunately, ChatGPT doesn't like to be concise. You know, it's like ChatGPT, can you give this to me in a concise version? And it like, just like takes out all the content. And you're like, well, I guess I'm still writing this myself. Tell me about where your revenue is at now in like a pie chart. So is it like X percent sponsorship, X percent events? And then where do you think it might be in a year or two from now after you have Bullet Pitch Plus? Yeah. So what we're doing now is you can't really pie chart it because we're combining all of it, right? So it's like the events, the sponsor, the, the ads, the warm intros, we're kind of all packaging that together. So what I've referred to that as is like the media stuff, right? And that's the media company. Bullet Pitch Plus as a revenue driver, as a company, is going to be the main revenue driver that I that's that I'm seeing that I'm that's paying my bills. I mean, it's 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 going to be massive. And what's crazy is that you know I've again thought about the economics of it. I don't have to convert that. I mean, of course, we want to convert as many people as we can, but at the end of the day, like if I convert less than one percent of my list to this, I mean, it's like it's huge. Interesting. It's nice when you can, you can, we can have that. We talked a good bit about content format, and I think you have an interesting content format and structure. You kind of explained how it works. We have a lot of people who are like, they have small newsletters, small media companies, and they want to figure out like what newsletter format should they have? Any advice for them? Because you have a unique format. Maybe you can elaborate on a little bit more of what that format is and tell us where people should start. I'm going to approach this from two angles. I'm going to approach this from the media angle and from the venture angle because they're fun. From the media angle, I've been a consumer of media for forever. And the thing that I noticed very early on and started with podcasts, and of course I I say this as we're 40 minutes into our podcast, but I love the short ones. The long podcasts tend to drone on for me. And if you actually look at podcast statistics, even like TikTok statistics, right? Like, People always drop off. And so the initial piece for me was I need to create something that can actually get people from start to finish to the end, because just by the time they want to drop off, the actual content's done. So that was a critical thing for me where it was like, I need to do something. And I think the one, one of the people who does it best, this best was, and I don't know if he still does it, but at least at the time when I started this was Alex Lieberman's Founders Journal, like 10 minute episodes. And it was like, wow, that's really strong. You know, I actually, I'm sure they exist, but I, I hadn't been at least keyed in on newsletters that really tried to make it short, though I'm sure there's plenty. And that was an inspiration for me to be like, okay, I want to make this as short as possible. The other thing, right, from the venture angle, I'll give you two things here, is investors are busy. They're really busy and they want to know what a company does as quick as they can, Right. And so it's funny because I've even gotten some investor feedback. It's like, start with the in a sentence so I don't have to read the rest of the newsletter, right? And like, that's crazy because it's like the whole rest of the newsletter is like a minute of your time. But that was another piece of it is let's really hit the audience, that our, our target audience here with what they want and let's give them the fast facts and let's do this as short as possible while still telling a story. The second piece I want to address is... If anyone, especially anyone in the audience, if they're ever trying to raise money and they're talking to investors, investors tend to love to ask questions about 
retention. And by the way, this is all really important stuff. Retention and um, run rate and churn, like those are all very relevant things. When I get on the phone with founders and they they pitch us, and this is part of, I guess, the process is like we go through the companies, the companies that we think are interesting, we take them to the next level. And the ones that we think are interesting there, we get on the phone with the founders, they pitch us with their deck, they're pitching us for social capital. But when I do that, I like founders are always like a little a little disoriented because I try to write the newsletter while I'm talking to them, right? And like this is a crazy thing, but I actually believe that the best companies are the ones that have the clearest stories. And so I'll literally sit there and I'll be like, so like set this up for me, like tell me a little bit about yourself, like where are you from, like how did you come up with this? But it's not like tell me this, 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 this. It's just, I let them kind of tell me the story. I'm like. So if you could describe what your company does in like a few sentences, what do you think? And, you know, and the founders who can go, we're this, this, that does this. It's like, whoa, that's a great company versus like, well, we do this and we do this and we do this. Go, well, you're probably still a little early for us. So weirdly, the format of the newsletter, again, right? Everyone sees it as the format. Same way that like people see the newsletter. I see it as a huge deal flow engine. The format people see as the format. I see it as like the ultimate just venture tool to really dig in to a lot of these interesting companies. Yeah. And I mean, I think it probably lends to your audience too and keeping them engaged. I mean, you know, VCs and also founders and CEOs. I imagine when you're sending a newsletter uh, to that sort of audience, you want to keep it as quick and digestible as possible. It's hard to keep them engaged for like an essay length send. Yeah, I agree. All right. Can I flip the script? Can we, can I ask you guys a few questions? Of course. Absolutely. Two thoughts that have been circling my head about newsletter land. One is, are there too many newsletters? And I feel like you both are experts. And then the second is like the AI newsletter. I mean, I know they're like, it's, I feel like they had their day maybe like three months ago. Now they're like a little more tamed, but like, are there too many AI newsletters? And like, what is the thought process behind like, are there really just so many people in the world that everyone's reading everything? Yeah. I like this question. The AI one is easier to answer because Definitely, yes, there are too many AI newsletters, and we can get into why those aren't going to... Most won't be successful businesses. There's also like three or four that have already hit scale and like all have over 500,000 subscribers. So if you're starting an AI newsletter and you're not there already, you're probably not going to do good because all the advertisers are going to go to them, right? It's also become really competitive. And because of that, there's so many... Because of so many AI newsletters, so many advertising options, and the CPMs have gone down a lot. So these AI newsletters are seeing $10, $20 CPMs. And it's really hard to build a newsletter business with that ad rate when you really want a $50 plus CPM. Lower is fine sometimes. So like that's that's one answer. And it's just like, it's. I think w- the reason why people started them is they they saw some success of, of newsletters like the Milk Road or the Hustle or Morning Bro. And then they saw the AI trend and they're like, okay, business opportunity. I'm going to go after that. And a lot of people it's going to work well for, but most that won't that won't work, right? What do you think about too many newsletters, Ryan? What's your take on that just in general? So my take on this would be, I think there are too many newsletters that don't know how to monetize, I think, or, or are too over-reliant on sponsorships for monetization. And I think that, that that trend could potentially be pretty painful. I think actually a friend of ours who we've actually interviewed on this podcast put out a great thread and a lot of points that I agree with, Emmanuel Sinka, who runs Stacked Marketer. And one of the points that he made that I think is, at least for folks that are pretty involved in newsletters right now, I think a lot of them would agree, is that there's going to be just a roll-up of all of these people building audiences, right? A lot of people are spending money to acquire subscribers, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily 
monetizing efficiently or they don't have a long-term sustainable approach to monetization. I think what you're doing is great. I think what a lot of other folks who are building premium subscriptions and doing it well or premium communities, I think they're setting themselves up for the long haul. I think that what's going to happen is uh, folks that aren't doing that in a sustainable way are going to end up wanting to sell those lists that they've acquired over the last year or so with this big boom. And the people that are in it for a long haul are going to be able to purchase newsletter lists at a discount, essentially. I don't even know if that's a hot take right now. That's just a take. I think what I've seen is that the newsletters and AI being an exception that have an actual like niche, right? They have a target audience. They're doing that thing where it's going audience to community. Those are the ones that I see. It's like, okay, I get that. Like I see where they're going to take that. But, you know, in terms of too many newsletters, like I have seen a lot of them are just like, another like what's going on today and I, like i can't imagine that people read the morning brew and it's all of its copycats yeah i think people have to understand what their business model is and a lot of people are starting newsletters they just they want to start something online and i think that's awesome for them and it's going to be a great learning experience but not all of them will be successful businesses because it doesn't have a business model they just think i'm going to build this audience and i'm going to sell sponsorships but they don't realize you know if they don't if you don't have a niche high value audience why would someone sponsor that when they can just run Facebook ads? Like Facebook and Google have run customer, they've won customer acquisition. And so the newsletters that have the most lucrative sponsorships are offer targeting options that Facebook and Google can't. And, and that's so funny you say that because that's what I tell advertisers every time. It's like, yeah, like I'm going to be honest with you. Like if you're looking for this, like, like we're not the right, we're not the right fit for you. But like, I can tell you for a fact that the people that are subscribed to my newsletter, some of them don't even have social media. Like, <laughs> and those are the people you want. Yeah. It's also worth noting that even like, so to your point, subscriber size, I know you made this point earlier, subscriber size is not nearly as important as the kind of people you have on your list. You know, I was talking to folks that run ad agencies for newsletters and they were saying that there are newsletters with 10,000 subscribers that are able to charge significantly more than maybe just a broader newsletter, like a general, like, Hey, general updates or, or new tech news or something like that, that have a hundred thousand subscribers. So it's, I think you have to have to Matt's point, a plan for how, how you're going to monetize that audience or at least a niche that could be valuable in the long, in the long term. which is why I think AI to your point is a tough spot to be in right now, because it's so it's pretty, it's pretty broad. AI is going to encompass a lot, especially in the coming years. Unless, 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 and this is the piece that I've gotten wind of, the AI newsletters who aren't really building a newsletter, they're building a product and those are all their first customers. In which case, it's absolutely brilliant. Exactly. Like if you have a product or service in mind and it's just like, this is part of just the business plan that Matt's talking about. Like if you have a business plan for the newsletters top of funnel for something else, then that's, that's not necessarily a risk. It's just you're building a, a distribution channel. Um, so yeah, I would say it's just like the newsletter is not the business anymore. They, you, people used to think where they could just have a newsletter and that's the entire business, but you need to build different skews. You need to like events are awesome. You know, services are awesome, et cetera, SaaS. And so like, if, you, if you're going to build a media company, you have to have those different things. That's why I like what you're going into. And I think you're really on the right path. And I will say too, just like touching on these events, there is nothing. And I know there's a few newsletter operators who do this very well. There is nothing more amazing than seeing all these emails that actually like now have names and actually have faces. And it's like, and I'll never forget this. The first event we ever threw, right? Like I just sent out like 
we're doing this thing. We're doing this like founder investor meetup. Let's see what happens. We actually got the event shut down because there were too many people in the room. And like the power of that was incredible. And then, you know, we just, we figured it out. Like we did a pitch event and we literally targeted in our list, who are all the New York city investors that we want to personally invite to this. And we didn't blast it out in the newsletter because we, we learned our lesson, but then we just did our, a New York tech week event and we ended up having a line around the block for it because it was like such a hit and, and all these founders and investors wanted to come to this. And it's like, there's something really special about doing these in-person events, especially with people who have been reading your content and understand kind of what you're doing. There's something really cool about that. So we're also doing a South by Southwest event, which is going to be super fun. And then an LA Tech Week one too, or the next kind of two large bullet pitch events that I'm getting excited about. That's great. That's a great model for this. And a lot of newsletter producers should think about that. Are you doing any ticket sales for that? So you're doing free events and you're bringing in partners and advertisers or sponsors? We're doing sponsors. The idea is, is that again, right? Like going back to the accessibility thing, like if I ticketed an event, <laughs> the only founders that can go are the ones that have raised. <laughs> um, versus if I bring in a bank or, and, and a lot of them are happy because they all want to target um, founders and candidly, right? Like talk about email lists. They all want the guest list of who came to the event, right? And who better to give you a guest list than someone who has the entire distribution list? So that has been the play so far. And at least for the next two events, South by Southwest and LA Tech Week, that's going to continue. I like that model. And the cool thing is you can do both. You know, maybe over time when you have a million person email list, you can do a lot more ticket sales. And that's a way to like, for people who are just starting, that's a way to get cash flow, even if you have a small audience. Like we, we have a friend, Jacob Donnelly, who like has an email list of maybe like 10,000, but it's very B2B, very like director plus people. And he did an event with 130 people and generated, you know, north of probably north of 150K from his event. Um, and he's doing this part time too. He has a full time job at Morning Brew. So that's something people should explore more. I, I love it. I agree. Events are, are red hot and they're only getting better because but there is one thing. And again, like this is not newsletter. I actually think that there's a huge thing missing in the newsletter space where I've, ne I mean, I've like heard of like newsletter meetups and stuff, but like, the way that I'm doing these like venture founder events and getting like hundreds of people in a room, like where is that for the newsletter space? I, I, who's throwing that one? It's either you guys or Beehive. Well, be, yeah, maybe we could do one together or or different ones. So yeah, I'd love to work on that. We'll, maybe we'll hit you up about that later. That would be fun. I went to one in the media space recently, but it was you know very much media and newsletters were very secondary. So that'd be cool. To newsletter I'm operators in a room and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. I think, I think as far as like media companies that are starting up in the past two years, you're one of the, the companies that I look at. So it was great to have this conversation. Tell us where people can find you, like on social media, what's the newsletter URL, where to sign up. So we're bulletpitch.com. We got that .com, which is awesome. And if you go right there, you can sign up. And then obviously, if you're an, an investor of any kind and interested in learning more about Bullet Pitch Plus, that'll just be in Bullet Pitch. And then Twitter is where I think I, I spend most of my time these days. It's at Brett Pearl, P-E-R-L, B-R-E-T-T-P-E-R-L. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for coming on. We'll link that below. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow the Newsletter Operator Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a five-star rating to help support the show. If you want to learn even more about how to grow and monetize a newsletter, go to newsletteroperator.com. And if you'd like to work with Matt or Ryan directly, check the links in the description and apply to work with our agencies. 